I'm wading in probably uh, knee deep here on uh, some of this material, and uh, I will do my very best. I am not a Bible scholar in all of these different false religions, and uh, I don't have expertise in all of these different areas. I don't consider myself a uh, renowned apologist. <laughs> I do uh, believe that God has, has given me a, a good understanding of his word, and I have done a fair amount of study, and I've prepared for this uh, series of lessons, and each week I go back and I, I, I do some more prep. But uh, there is an overwhelming amount of study that you can do on these different religions. And I think that if you do that, please be careful. Please be cautious. Um, the best way to... Did it not print? There, there are no ah, okay. I will give you my copy, and I will work off of a different... I'll work off of my electronic source, my digital source. I think that'll work. Sorry, there's a little bit of... Some of that got whited out there. Okay. So I will work off of this. Praise the Lord for technology. I know Earl doesn't thank the Lord for technology. <laughs> All right. But anyway, I do caution you about taking a deep dive into some of these false religions. Be careful. The best way to deal with a false religion is to know the truth. And I know some people who have got, gotten caught up trying to learn about every religion, dozens and dozens and dozens, and some people are deceived by that, or they are in a world of doubt. They're struggling in their faith. Some of them uh, have even left the faith because they got too involved in that stuff. And uh, Paul even warns us about that, and the uh, book of Hebrews warns us about that. And so I want to be cautious. We need to know enough to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. But ultimately, that answer for the hope that lies within us comes from the truth of the Word of God. And again, the illustration of how do you know what is a counterfeit bill? By knowing what the real thing looks like. And everything is measured by the real thing. You can go to some places and you can, they, they have a, a method for determining a 50 or a 100. Have you noticed some places, they don't even take 50s or 100s anymore. It's $20, and that's it. And I've noticed that a lot. And uh, there are places that won't take any bill over $20. And if you do have a place that takes a 50 or a 100, many times they either have a machine that they somehow scan or they hold it up in the light for holograms. But again, the best way to answer the false religions and the false teaching is by knowing the truth. So 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, and I turned to the wrong place here, pardon me for a second. We started with this verse, or these verses, and we'll come back here again this week. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, and let's drop down to verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So last week we put several different masks up on the screen. I won't go through all those. And we identified the different sports or athletes or whatever the job may be 
that was represented by that mask. And we know that Satan has a group, if I can say it this way, to use the illustration, has a set of masks. False teachers put on various masks to hide their deception. We talk about wolves in sheep's clothing. We'll come back to these passages that we looked at last week. But we see in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14, we see false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They can look really good. They can be very appealing. They can even have a measure of truth. But they twist it. They undermine it. They add to it, etc. And no marvel, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Some have said that Satan was the most beautiful angel that God ever created. We know that he was an angel. He was a created being. We know that he fell from heaven in rebellion against God and pride. We can go to Ezekiel and we can see uh, the events. And I know there's a a metaphor there, but it does speak to uh, the devil. And I believe there's also a passage in Isaiah, Ezekiel and Isaiah. I think there's a couple different passages that reference the fall of Satan and uh, there are specific kings that were Satan-like, and then the, the reference to Satan himself and his pride and being lifted up and trying to overthrow God. And so we see throughout history, we see rebellion in the heart of man. And we see even in our culture today, do we not see the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Babylon? We have to be very, very discerning. So then we went through, okay, And we identified spiritual warfare is real. Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan can make lies look really good. He can create a false substitute for every truth in the Bible. He loves to twist and turn the scriptures, add to, take away from, and make evil look good and good look evil. And we know we live in an Isaiah 5 world, don't we? I was just reading my devotions in Isaiah 5 and reminded again of one of the features of a culture, of a society that has grown apostate and reprobate is calling evil good and good evil. Romans 1 talks about the reprobate mind and suppression of the truth and the distortion of reality and on and on. So then we talked about why some of the reasons why it is so easy for certain unbelievers to fall into the trap of Satan's deception. Man wants approval. With that is an affirmation. Man wants to be affirmed in his sin. Uh, One of the things that's hard about the gospel is the fact that the gospel calls us all out as sinners. That is a hard truth that has to be accepted. It has to be realized before anybody ever will turn in faith to receive Christ in true saving faith, they must come to the realization that they are a sinner in the hands of an angry God, to use John Edwards' sermon. And the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we must mourn over our sin and have that poverty of spirit, that poor in spirit, and call out to God, recognizing the depravity of our heart, the sinfulness of our being, of our nature, and we're sinners by birth and by choice. But people look for a system of theology, a system of beliefs, a system of religion that will excuse their sin. So people want a religious system or a worldview that will affirm them in their sinfulness. We know people want answers. People are 
religious by nature. There's a spiritual part of man. We talk about the soul. Every civilization throughout history has had religion. And even atheism, agnosticism, whatever you want to call it, and we'll look at some of that today, hopefully, even that has a religious aspect to it. They're functioning according to a belief system. Everybody functions according to some sort of belief system. There really isn't anybody who is a true atheist. I mean, they call themselves that, but everybody is living according to some belief system, whether it be a belief in some false god or themselves or so on and so forth. Don't we see a perverted belief, faith system of trusting in ourselves today? Trusting in the government? Who would ever trust in the government that we have in, in place today? Uh, look at the, the lies just in the last few years. On and on we could go. But people want belonging. They want significance. They want refuge. They want satisfaction. And we know that this reveals the uh, image of God in man. Uh, we talk about creation, conscience, and the soul. General revelation. There's a God-shaped hole in every man's heart, as some people describe it. Man is looking for answers, looking for satisfaction, and sadly looks in all the wrong places unless he or she turns to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus meets all these needs. So for a quick review, we went through these passages. There's more than these passages, but these are some key passages that speak to the deception of Satan. We see false apostles, deceitful workers, angels of light, false ministers of righteousness, Matthew 7, false professions, false allegiance, wolves in sheep's clothing, false prophets, they're revealed by their works, grievous wolves, not sparing the flock, that's Matthew 7, Acts 20, and then Galatians 1, 8 and 9 speaks to a false gospel, and there's an angelic appeal. If any man preach unto you any other gospel, let him be accursed, anathema. So he says, whether it be an angel of light or any so-called minister, if he preaches another gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, anathema. One of the strongest words of condemnation in all the Bible. So cults and false religions. Really quickly here, just for a summary, cults and false religions, they add to the word of God. They subtract from the word of God, they multiply error, and they divide the brethren. So maybe add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Maybe that helps a little bit in identifying. But if you look carefully enough, they're adding to the truth. They're adding to the revealed word of God, the faith. They're adding to it, or they subtract from it. Often it's a, oftentimes it's the same word, but a different definition. That's one of the wiles of the devil, schemes. What'd you say? Yeah, and we see, we'll see that in some of these as we have time. We'll look at some of the major religions and hopefully be able to identify some of these uh, errors in the time that we have. But they'll subtract from the Word of God. They'll begin to say, if you look carefully enough, they'll begin to say, well, the Bible says that, but actually what we believe is, and you'll see that's characteristic of false religions and cults. Yeah, the Bible may say this, but we add this, or we take this position instead, or this is added in addition to, or this interpretation by this expert, et cetera, et cetera, okay? They multiply error. When you get down to it, you get, many times you get down below the surface. There's sometimes immorality and moral sexual 
types of deviancy many times in these false religions and cultures. Um, there's um, taking of money many times, getting rich off of people. There's schemes for fleecing the sheep, so to speak. And they're multiplying error. When you really get down to it, there's a multiplication of error. And then many times there's a division of the brethren. They're dividing up churches, dividing up denominations, dividing up uh, people even from their families and from what is good and right and proper. Um, we can go on and on. But those, that may help with summarizing, identifying cults and false religions. So the defense against Satan, what does Paul give Timothy in 2 Timothy three thirteen and 14? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we need discernment, don't we? We need to be very careful. We need to have good sniffers. We need to have a good spiritual discernment. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He appeals to apostolic doctrine, which is obviously... The revelation of God's word, Genesis through Revelation, we have the faith, once delivered to the saints, we are not lacking anything, we shouldn't be looking for anything, there's no secret place out there that only certain people with certain knowledge can have certain access to divinity and to divine truth. No, we have the revealed word of God, we have God's word inspired and preserved, infallible, inerrant, and we are thankful to have that in our possession. Many of us have multiple Bibles in our homes. We have phones with apps with multiple Bibles. And we're thankful for the fact that we have the preserved Word of God. We have the truth once delivered to the saints. We're not lacking anything. What happens is we don't know the Word like we should. We don't continue in the Word like we should. We are not learned and assured of like we should. And we are many times too distracted and deceived even ourselves and we allow the world to appeal to us to us way too much so we have to be on defense against satan we can go to second corinthians i believe it's chapter number first corinthians 10 second corinthians 10 and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of god bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ ephesians 6 putting on the armor of god and the helmet of salvation, belt of truth, and we went through those a year and a half or so ago in our uh, series on the armor of God. So important. And we cannot let our guard down. One day, one hour, one minute, one month, Satan is lurk, lurking about. He's walking about like a roaring lion, doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for that chink in the armor. That Achilles heel, that came up on Monday night when Aaron Rodgers went down. I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but it was all over the news. You would have thought the NFL had collapsed because Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles heel on the opening drive, you know, and the Jets' kingdom came crumbling down. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers, if you know his backstory, he's a deconstructionist. He, got, he, was, he grew up in a Christian home, rejected the faith. He got deceived by a Rob Bell in the emergent church. And he deconstructed his faith. And he is ostracized from his family. And you just wonder, is God trying to get his attention? Is God trying to wake him up and get him to come back to the roots of his faith where he was under the preaching of the gospel for many, many, many years growing up? And he turned his back to it. Uh, I hope that the man truly gets, gets saved. So, 
Let's talk about some major world religions. Let's talk about these. I'm, I'm just summarizing here for right now. I don't put Christianity in with Catholicism. I know that the media does that. I know that that's the lump that Christianity gets put in. I separate Christianity. Biblical Christianity is separate. I realize for all the surveys and all the research and the way the media presents it, if a Catholic is involved and they consider that Christian, I'm separating it for a specific reason. I'm talking about biblical Christianity, the truth. And we know that Christianity uh, believes in the one true God, the God of the Bible. We can talk about uh, Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so that is a basic theology. Whereas Catholicism, will Catholicism acknowledge God, believe in God? Okay. Will they accept the Trinity? Yes. But who did I add there? Don't they do some exalt, exaltation, veneration, worship of, pray to Mary? Is that not adding to? So what does that change about the character of God? If Mary is added, and we could even add church tradition in there, the Apocrypha and all that, what, what happens then to theology? You add Mariology, what's that? Yeah, eventually these are distorted, right? It's important to keep that in mind. Judaism, I'm using that in the general sense of the Jewish tradition. I'm not saying that there aren't Jews that aren't genuinely saved Christian people, but I'm talking about the Judaism, and I know there's various forms, Orthodoxy, uh, there's Orthodox Jews. I forget all the different groups. There's a Hasidic and Orthodox. What's that? Oh, Reformed? Okay, I, I don't know all the different groups. But there are some, I believe, who they only hold to the first five books of the Bible, some who hold to just the Old Testament. If you've ever watched an interview, uh, there's a couple of good ones out there with Ben Shapiro, who's an Orthodox Jew, a couple of preachers who are uh, gospel preaching. We may have our disagreements with them as gospel preachers, but they're, they're true, genuine gospel preachers. Um, so we have our differences with them. And I remember watching at least one of those interviews with Ben Shapiro, and this preacher kept bringing up Jesus over and over and over. And he was giving him the gospel, and Ben Shapiro was, well, you're Jesus, that Jesus of yours. And he would say things like that over and over in the, the interview. And I know that you, you, you believe in that New Testament and that, that Jesus of the New Testament. He was trying to deny Christ. So do they believe in God? But ultimately, they deny that Jesus is God. So then what happens to their theology? It's wrong. Though they believe in what we would consider the God of the Bible, but they believe in him in the wrong way. So their theology is wrong because they deny that Jesus is God. And the, and the Messiah, of course. And then Islam. Do they believe in one God? But who is their God? Allah. It's a false God. Okay, they claim that Allah is the true God, and I think they even would claim that Allah is the God of the Bible, if I remember right. But Muhammad came along and corrected all the previous prophets, and on and on and on. We'll hopefully have some time to get into some of that. They reject the Trinity, though. Okay, so they 
have a false god who they try to identify as the true god and even try to synchronize with the god of the bible so they're they're lying in their religion about god so obviously their theology is wrong and they deny that jesus is god they deny the trinity so if your theology is wrong where does that leave you in the end leaves you lost sadly You've started down the wrong path. You're going to end up in the wrong place. And that's one of the things that we have to be aware of with false religions. They can have a lot of nice things. They can even have some moralisms. They can even have some common ground, so to speak. Would we agree with a Catholic on abortion? Probably in most cases, right? Um, would we agree with Catholics when it comes to the sanctity of marriage? Probably. I think in some cases they're stronger on divorce. At least a, a, a strict Catholic, I believe, is stronger on divorce and remarriage than a lot of evangelical churches might be. Uh, we, can, we can find some common ground. Does that mean that we should get together with them and have evangelicals and Catholics together in some sort of religious enterprise? Of course not. Because their theology is wrong from the beginning. It's a, it's a false religion. Though there may be some overlap in some common ground, it doesn't mean that we should engage now in some ecumenical effort for a religious purpose, a spiritual purpose. We've got to be so careful. All right, so then let's go to these worldviews and break down three worldviews, and then we'll, we'll kind of branch out from there. So I don't know how to describe this. I don't know if you want to put it as... A pyramid, and we're going to kind of branch out from there, or just how to maybe best illustrate it. But we'll start with Christianity. Some this is not an exhaustive list of all the foundational and fundamental doctrines, but these are the basics. All right, right and wrong are clearly defined in Christianity. Obviously, that's according to the Word of God. Micah six eight is the reference that is used there. Obviously, we could go to so many more. Truth does not depend on feelings. Truth can be known and is unchanging. Thinking is more important than a person's feelings. Right and wrong are two separate things. God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sin. Salvation is only by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone. So we could obviously go to a host of other passages, but those basic premises, those basic truths help to define Christianity. So, if right and wrong are not clearly defined, then we know what happens. Truth becomes subjective. Morality becomes situational. Every man then begins to do what is right in his own eyes, so on and so forth. If truth depends on feelings, think about how we feel from day to day, sometimes from hour to hour. Do we always feel like we're in love? <laughs> we have to admit that there are times where we don't feel very much in love with our spouse or even with our God, sadly. <laughs> I really got myself in trouble. Be quiet over there, Derek. <laughs> Stirring up trouble. <laughs> but if we base it on feelings, then we fall in love and out of love, and then we can just wake up one morning and say, well, I don't love you anymore, so let's, find, let's get a divorce. And we see it all the time in the news, right? 
Oh, we just, all of a sudden, I mean, they literally, sometimes they are professing Christians. This country star singer the other day, she said, I just, we just, I don't know, just something happened between me and my husband. And I was reading the article and the interview, and she was just like, well, it just wasn't the same after 10 years. And a couple kids and traveling the nation singing. And she said, I just, uh, you know, we just grew apart. And it was just like, you know, just laissez-faire, just no big deal, just walking out on the marriage. And she said, sometimes that just happens. It was just, it was, it was so sad. But it was like, it all just depended on feelings. I just don't feel like I'm in love anymore. So, and we have a feeling sensual culture today. So we live too much by, by feelings, way too much. And people determine their moral system, their theology by feelings. It's, it's so sad. Yes? Okay, so there will be good denominations that will hold to these that would still fall under the umbrella of biblical Christianity. But when a denomination begins to get away from these foundational fundamental truths and doctrines, then they drift away. So some denominations started off well, and then eventually you can get into methodology. And sometimes the denominations, they just separated based on methodology. But, yeah, the slide, the, the, yeah, and then eventually... They just they drop off because they begin to deny biblical truth regarding something like this or sin or the position they take on sin. Again, I use the illustration a lot. Some of these denominations that are fracturing, splintering, 50 years ago, they gave up on the authority of the word of God. You look at a lot of them. You go back 30, 40, 50 years, and there was a change, whether it be in their national or international convention or somewhere in their statement of faith, they begin to question the authority of the Word of God. The fundamentalist modernist controversy in the 1920s, the five fundamentals, the volumes that were written, it ultimately, the majority of those documents were written regarding the authority of the Word of God. Some of them, it was 80 years ago, they already were beginning to slide because they said the word of God is true when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to religion, but not when it comes to history and science, numbers, math. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. 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 And were there good churches that stayed in the denomination? And some of them have stayed in for 70, 80 years. And they finally said, wait a second here. You're ordaining a homosexual, a transgender? Well, I go back, what was that, in 1939? You go back 70, 80 years and you already see the beginning stages of that. Well, there were churches that jumped ship a long time ago because they said in our denominational hierarchy, we begin to deny the word of God or deny this, deny this. And then now, oh, wait a minute here. This is a line too far. What did they do? They kept drawing a line and then draw another line. It's like a former president of ours who kept saying to one of the foreign powers out there, oh, this line. Well, if you cross this one, then we'll, right? And then now look at where we're at. But it's like some of these, these churches, some of these, I even fault some pastors who didn't pull their churches out 
years ago because they just kept saying, well, well yeah, that's okay, we'll, we'll stay. And they, they stayed in the denomination. They stayed under the umbrella for property, for money, for whatever. And then they just kept drawing the line. And finally they said, okay, enough is enough. When you put a transvestite up in the pulpit, we've had enough. And for some churches, that still isn't enough. You've, you've, you drive around some places, some Episcopal, Lutheran, even some American Baptist churches, they have a pride flag in the window of their sanctuary or out on the, the street. Again, you go back many years, there was a slide away from these. Yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Unbelievable. I think we're getting that way with China. If you do one more thing. I'm getting too political, though. All right, another worldview, atheism. Okay, atheism. The only truth that exists can be found in the external material world. There is no God, no heaven, and no hell. Man is the highest being in the universe. All that exists is the product of natural evolutionary processes. Man must look to himself and find meaning and purpose for existence. Now you think about that for a while, and that excuses a lot of sin, doesn't it? It excuses a lot of immorality and a lot of the way people live today. We'll get to that. Hopefully we'll have some time before we get done. But notice some systems that come out of that. Are not socialism, Marxism, and communism rooted in these views? We could probably name some other. Now, you could say, well, socialism, that's an economic or that's a cultural. Wait a minute here. Again, belief affects behavior. Principle affects practice. Doctrine affects duty. So if you begin to believe these things that are up here on the screen, then why, why can't you have a social environment, a socialism ec- economic system, government? Because if man is inherently good, then we can all get along. We can all hold hands and sing kumbaya, right? Didn't New Harmony, Indiana start because some utopian view of man? New Harmony, Indiana, they tried to start a community where everybody shared everything and everybody just got along. And New Harmony, Indiana turned into No Harmony, Indiana. Sorry, it's still New Harmony. But it was No Harmony. Because... They rejected the basic premise that man is a sinner. And I've dealt with this many a time, whether it be church or school. And get a group of people together. And I remember dealing with kids. And you teach them to share. Yeah, have you ever had a group project in college, in school? I hated group projects. I've spoken my bitterness about group projects before, sorry. <laughs> but I had an English class freshman year group project two of us worked to the bone stayed up late typed researched compared notes i mean back then you didn't have texting you didn't have group chat back then you didn't get just to go online and do a google doc or a microsoft teams no what'd you have to do back in the ancient days right back i know i'm dating myself and some of you are like you're not old but my kids think i'm old and they think i came off of the ark with with noah I was crossing the Red Sea with Moses or something. (laughs) 
But we didn't have group chats. We had to go to the library or find a common place at the snack shop, the den, or whatever it's, it's called now, and you had to get together and you had to compare notes. Well, who was the one person that just somehow always had an excuse not to show up? If in a group of three. Two of us would show up, not one person. And then they were late turning this in and late turning. And we got a B on our, some of you are like, B, big deal. Yeah, for me, that was a big deal. I wanted an A. And my GPA meant something to me. But apparently this other kid in the group, he could care less. Turned in the last minute, sloppy work. And the other two of us, we, well, that right there, I'm like, that's a proof that we are <laughs> not equal in when it comes to effort and, and, and we're, we're, we're depraved and we're, we're sinners. We find, try to find an easy way out. We don't always share equally, right, on and on. But New Harmony, Indiana and other places like that, socialism, communism, Marxism, it's all this idea. And there is a Marxist theology and a communistic theology and a socialist theology, philosophy, whatever you want to call it, in the world today, in America today. There are people right now who think that we can all just get along if we can just be nice enough to North Korea and to Iran and to communist China. And as a matter of fact, we just shook hands with a communist this week on September 11th of all things. And we shook hands with a communist. Oh, we're all just going to get along. Globalism, we can go on and on. But it comes out of a worldview based on these views. And Marxism wants to have what? They want to have a total breakdown of society in order to remake it the way the ones in power want it. Okay? Did the USSR work out very well? Look at what, I mean, there were people joking about Cuba the other day. I was listening to a podcast, and they were, they were joking about Cuba. If you want to go back to the 1950s, just go to Cuba. Why? They stand in line for basic medicine. I go to the cabinet and get a Tylenol or an ibuprofen. I can drive five minutes and get another bottle for two bucks at Payless. They have to wait in line, sometimes for days and weeks, to get Tylenol and ibuprofen. Is that what we want to go to? Well, we'll just all go along to get along because we're all just equally good. <laughs> it's just, but look at what they do. They deny God, deny heaven, deny hell, mean as the highest being, so on and so forth. Okay. And then we have time to be able to get into this. I'm going to put some worldviews, I'm going to put some statements up and then bring some worldviews up or some belief systems, religious systems that will fall into uh, these categories or pull things from these statements. Truth is subjective and relative. Something is true only if it feels so. No absolute right or wrong. Good deeds outweigh bad deeds. Sin is only an illusion. Sin is man's problem of ignorance. Salvation can be, can be achieved through higher consciousness. A person's feelings are more important than his or her thinking. Man controls his own destiny. Man is truly good. Now, pantheism is one. Kind of, uh, we think of that maybe more as a pagan or third world or some other country, but is there not pantheistic thought in our culture today? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Clear pantheism believes that God is everywhere? 
Yeah, God is everywhere. There's forms of it. Basically, God is everywhere. He's in everything. God is in the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. And there's, I mean, even Star Wars is a, has a form of pantheism, a good force and a bad force and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Syncretism. So we see, oh, I forgot to put the last ones up. Sorry about that. So we see things like secularism finding their roots in this. Postmodernism. Before long, it's just whatever anybody wants to believe or man makes up his own truth, your truth, my truth, all that kind of mumbo-jumbo. Expressive individualism comes out of this. And even spiritism, which is making a comeback in our culture today. Um, We'll hopefully have some time here in just a few minutes to put a few more statements of some of the views that come out of this. But did you hear about the hippie festival, the annual hippie festival, the Burning Man? Yeah, I got muddied out, right. Some of us want to say judgment of God, right? <laughs> Let's see here. Despite the setbacks, devoted burners expressed their delight to be present and promised to return to a 70,000-person orgy out in the desert. With pagan rituals, I won't even describe some of the things that I heard and read. As one writer put it, festival devotees think of themselves as co-creators of an experience at the whim of Mother Nature. Thus, the mud was all part of the plan. Indeed, the festival, which is characterized by its lack of schedule or planned musical acts, has continued to draw more people every year. What began as a few friends gathering around a fire in 1986 has morphed into 70,000 regular attendees seeking transformative and spiritual experiences away from the modern world. Despite most attendees identifying as non-religious, the pagan creed at Burning Man is strong. Upon entering, they adopt new names, lay burdens down on a wooden effigy, and eliminate monetary transactions on the philosophy of shared resources. Hmm, seems like we saw something about socialism, Marxism, communism, right? In fact, ten principles of Burning Man... They have rules? They have principles? Hmm. Interesting. Fight the power. power. (laughs) They have their own power. In fact, the ten principles of Burning Man, which include radical inclusion, guide the ethos of the weak. The religious impulses of a spiritually flailing nation are apparent here and in the rise in paganism nationwide. Witchcraft, for example, is making a comeback with at least 1.2 million identifying, practicing witches across the United States. So is interest in astrology, tarot cards, and all manner of polytheistic spiritual enlightenment. The astrology industry has increased by 10 billion from 2018 to 2021. It's no surprise given the way Americans have moved away from traditional faith in steeper numbers year by year. Only 30 to 31 percent of Americans say they attend church weekly these days. At least 30 percent of the population now identifies as a religious nun. We could go down. There's references to a couple of books. One is the book Witchery. Another book called The Altar Within, a radical devotional guide to liberate the divine self. Um, 
Much of paganism is rooted in ancient indigenous spiritual practices, often shaped by a love for the natural world and reliance on self-guidance. It is understandable that people would attempt to connect to God through nature, but in this way they worship the creation rather than the creator. Such is toxic and an unnatural practice that ultimately leads to destruction. The article goes, goes on and on and talks about some more of this burning man. But isn't that a reflection or a symptom of this kind of belief system? Or the one before it, the atheism? They go hand in hand, don't they? So belief affects behavior. Doctrine demands duty. Principle affects practice. If you believe this way and you believe like the atheism, eventually it comes out in practice, doesn't it? What about, that's in a bigger society, what about in our homes? What about in churches? What about in other social groups and organizations that follow these kinds of practices? Religions that pull, them, pull their practices out of this kind of thinking. Where does it lead to? What does it end up with? All kinds of different perversions. I'm going to mention what Gary mentioned last week, a cult. Um, Hobart Freeman, you said that he died with gangrene of his leg, refusing to go to the hospital because he believed he could be healed by faith. And he was a cult leader. So his belief system, his theology, his principles affected his practice. So Gary wanted to come back and make sure I cleared that up. He didn't die at a hospital. He died refusing to go to the hospital. So Gary is no longer a liar. (laughs) We're all liars. (laughs) In, in, in one sense, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all liars. Spoke lies coming from our mother's womb, I believe is what uh, Psalm says. All right. So, again, we'll, we'll conclude with this. These are some statements that we might find in our culture today. Mankind is in charge of the universe. Again, this comes out of these wrong worldviews. Whether you want to call it the atheism or the pantheism worldview. Mankind is in charge of the universe. It is our job to take care of the environment by drastically changing our view and lifestyle. Does that mean we pour oil in the creek? No. Does that mean that Tate and Lyle shouldn't probably avoid dumping some of their stuff into the Wildcat Creek? Sure, they should be careful. And on and on we could go with examples, okay? Doesn't mean we go and pollute the environment. But climate change? Really? We're going to destroy the earth? We're going to stop all... I mean, excuse me. We're going to save the earth? Or we're going to destroy it with carbon? We're going to cause all these earthquakes. I mean, there were people who were blaming Donald Trump for the mudslide at the Burning Man. I mean, on and on you go. I mean, people burnt, people uh, blamed Bush for not signing the Kyoto Treaty back in the, the 90s. Yes. No way. The only thing worse than... Climate change, or the nuclear war is climate change. Global warming. Nonsense. Total nonsense. But it comes out of this. We're, we control everything. We're, we, we run this world. And we're the center of the universe. It's disgusting. Each woman has a right to choose to have an abortion. After all, it is her body comes out of this type of worldview. Same-sex marriage is not wrong. After all, people should be able to choose who they want to spend the rest of their lives with. Remember back in the day when it was what 
two men or two women decide to do in their bedroom, in the privacy of their bedroom, it shouldn't be anybody else's business. And now what are they doing? Custody battle in California. They're passing a bill that if there's a custody battle and the parents disagree about the gender of their child, then the parent who doesn't affirm their child's gender that the child thinks that they are, if the parent doesn't agree with that child, then that parent loses all rights to that child. Take their child completely away from them. No visitation, no custody, no nothing. Because they want to take that child and they want to mutilate that child. And then force that child to spend the rest of their life sterilized, going to appointment after appointment after appointment, forking out dollars to hospitals and doctors and federal government socialized medicine. And their bodies are mutilated. And they'll never recover from that. They'll live with that pain and that agony the rest of their lives. And now we're hearing from detransitioners who are saying, I wish I'd have never taken testosterone when I was 13 and I was struggling with my looks as a girl. And I was told by a counselor at school that I could be a boy. And without my parents' permission, they gave me testosterone. It went through all of those contradicting feelings and then they begin to mutilate their bodies and now they're in their 20s and they're suing in some cases the doctors and the counselors and the school districts and saying we're miserable and they're trying to detransition and there are certain scars that they can't and we have a federal government now that is supporting that promoting that, celebrating that and trying to pay for that and we have in our government we have a representative or senator I think it's Senator Tuberville who's holding up a bill because the regime is trying to force taxpayer money to pay for transition surgeries in the military. So, yeah, in the prisons, that's right. So national safety depends on whether a guy or a girl can cut off body parts to try to be a gender, the other opposite gender. Our national security is now being held at risk. Because the regime, the administration, pardon me, the administration wants to mutilate bodies and say that's a matter of national security. It's garbage. It's out of the pits of hell. It's this atheistic, pantheistic kind of thinking. Um, Even if he committed the crime, it's not his fault. He was abused as a child. Protected sexual activity among consenting partners is a healthy way to explore emotions and feelings. How, how, how good has consent worked? How good has safe sex worked in our culture today? It's really doing well, isn't it? It's disgusting. Yes? They want to take away all age Yes, yeah, the, the age of consent, exactly. It just keeps dropping. Now, now, it's, now it's not pedophiles, it's minor attracted persons, mops. Or maps, sorry, minor attracted persons. They want our children. They sing about it in gay choirs. They march in New York City during Pride Month saying, we want your children. I'll tell you right now, they ain't going to have my kids. As long as I am their parent and they're under the age of 18, I realize at 18 there's certain legal things, but they're not going to take my kids. (laughs) And there's a part of me that says, you're not going to drag my child out of my home and mutilate his body. You're going to have to kill me first. There's a part of me that says that. Now, maybe I'm getting a little over the, over, overboard here, but that's the, the mentality of this. It's, it's, it's satanic. Yes?
I don't recommend looking up Leah Thomas. What's his real name? He calls himself Leah Thomas. He's a, he's a dude. He won those swimming competitions, took away gold medals from girls and places on the swim team and undressed in front of women in the locker room. Disgusting stuff. Don't, I don't recommend you study his life, but I've heard a little bit about the way he conducts himself. It's some of the most depraved stuff that you can possibly imagine. I can't even say one of the things I heard. I was born the wrong body. The only way to have peace with myself is to change my gender, including its physical characteristics, mutilation, etc. Anyone who disagrees with my self-ascribed identity is transphobic, whatever phobic, you know, you come up with all these phobic terms now, is guilty of hate speech, bigotry, and violence, and must be shut up, shut down, and now we're even finding what? Prosecuted. So, I'm not here to be a doomsdayer. God is on his throne. The truth prevails. But we have to keep standing for the truth, delivering the truth, holding forth the truth of the word of God. And we have to live by the principles, the truths, the commands, the promises, the principles of God's word. Even though we live in a culture that is fast forwarding against this, against, against the truth, against what we're preaching and teaching. But may the Lord help us to continue to stand strong and hold forth the word of God. Well, uh, we're out of time. Let's pray. And uh, sorry, I couldn't take more questions, but let's pray and then we'll get ready for the service. Lord, thank you for the truth of the word of God. Thank you that you are on your throne. Thank you, Lord, that we can hold to the promises in your word regarding who has the victory. And that victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. And Lord, we pray for your blessings now upon the service. And may you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. We'll get ready for the service.